Today's pod is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're looking for a gift for an avid comic book reader or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. Hey everybody, this is James and Marco and Nabil and this is the Movie Pals podcast, podcast number 25. Today we're going to be going over what we've been watching, some updates on some TV shows there and some new movies we've seen and then we're going to be going into a topic of the week brought to you by Marco followed by a review of the new documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor. Hey, what you watching? So let's get into it. James, what have you been watching? Well, Nabil, I've been watching a few things, actually. Ocean's 8 is a new movie coming out that I'm kind of 50-50 on. So I kind of did this because of, mostly because of you, because you like these films. And don't get me wrong, I've always actually liked Ocean's 11, but not so much the sequels. So I'm kind of going back to try to watch all three of them to see if maybe... You know, because it's been what, so since, like, since high school, I guess. Yeah, it's been. I mean, they've been out for a while, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Two thousand one, two thousand four, two thousand seven. It's three year gap in between all of them. Damn. It's hard to believe they're that old. Yeah. <laughs> the nice thing though is that Ocean's Eleven definitely holds up really well still. Yeah. So it's a movie that, regardless that it came out what um, 17, 16, 17 years ago. Yeah, just about. Years ago. So it's still a really well done movie. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, Ocean's 11 is about a heist. It's a heist movie taking place in Las Vegas, starring, um, George Clooney, Matt Damon, Brad Pitt, uh, Don Cheadle's in there. Funny little thing about him is that he actually is uncredited in the film. Really? Issue, yeah. He had an issue with, um, billing and stuff like that. Like he wanted his name up there too. He's like a big part of the film. But Soderbergh was like, no, you're not popular enough or something. It was shit. before Iron Man. <laughs> before Hotel Rwanda. Hotel. Yeah. Oh, exactly, well, that too. probably. But uh, the subsequent sequels, 12 and 13, he's definitely in them. Oh, yeah. Even but, a young Casey Affleck's in it, too. Yes, he is, actually. Mm-hmm. He's in it. They're all even, really young. All the these whole guys, cast. Well, yeah. not Saul, the guy that plays Saul. Well, not Saul. <laughs> he's <laughs> old as fuck. Yeah, he's, he's still like, alive. Is he? Maybe not. He God. might have died a couple years ago, he, actually. He, no, I, think I felt like every scene with the check. old dude, he was going to die. No, he is still alive because I just saw a documentary with him in uh, HBO. He's like a really well-known actor. Yeah. I don't. I apologize. I don't know his name off the top. But um, no, fantastic movie though. I've also been watching the new Marvel show on Freeform, which is formerly ABC Family, by the way, according to Janelli. Yeah, it used to be ABC Family. That's really weird. They renamed it Freeform. It used to be something else too. A lot of different family things. That's it's, a strange name. It's not really, really a family. Oh, whatever. I, I'm watching uh, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, yeah. the new Marvel show based on the comic Cloak and Dagger. Um, which I've never read, by the way. Were you they're aware good? Of it? Yeah, they're a good super villain, uh, superhero combo. Uh, they show up a lot in Spider Man comics. Oh, yeah, I read that they premiered in Spectacular Spider Man. Yeah. Um, it's basically, I've all, the two episodes premiered. It's on Thursday nights at, I want to say, 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. Hmm. One of those times. Uh, it's also on Hulu, too. So if you miss it on that day, it's kind of nice that it's actually on Hulu. So I find that more and more of my shows are not on Hulu anymore. So Is it connected to the MCU or is it separate? Yes, it is. This oh, is, is it? Yes, it is. Oh, it's wow. connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that good stuff too. And 
the Netflix shows they never talk about. The show itself is pretty well done. Um, I don't have too much on it because I just kind of watched it. I just want to let everybody know that if you're in the need of a Marvel show during kind of, I guess this is what we would consider kind of like a drought right now for um, shows uh, in a way. Outside, well, if you're not watching Westworld, basically, I guess. Yeah. Or it's a time um, to catch up on shows, too. Is, yeah. It's a good time to do it. Because I don't know if it's like an actual series or like a just a mini series, but so far, two um, episode and a half in, I'm almost done. I'll finish the second half today. Like it seems like something you want to just kind of keep watching and yeah. see where it plays out. It's really like well acted. The two main leads are really well done. Yeah, that play the you know quote unquote cloak and dagger. Yeah. but I mean they're not really. That's <laughs> like their superhero names. But I mean, it's a cool little like almost coming of age tale too, and a teen romance. So it's actually. I like so far. I like it. I'll see how it goes, but I mean, it's only two episodes in, so we will see. Other than that, I did catch a horror film that came out. That another one by A twenty four Studio A twenty four. Shout out to them. They yeah, you know what? They are solid on those indie horrors. Mm -hmm. They're doing pretty good. So I I saw yeah, I saw Hereditary, and this was a movie that I get everybody has really hyped it up. Critical critic wise, it's like ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And everyone, you, you, but you know, we've seen this before where mm-hmm. people are saying like, it's the most horrifying film of the year. And, and you're like, eh, yeah, I, and then you go there just like, remember when we watched the witch, Yeah, which is once again, another A24 it, film. This but, is a good film, but not like what it, they hyped up it's, to be. It's a good film, but it's a movie that I think you and I went in with much different expectations. Oh, yeah. Not what it was. And goddamn, was it slow? Yeah, We're like, talk about a slow happen? burn. Is is they witches or not? <laughs> <laughs> and by the end, I was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Um, this one was fantastic, though. Really, this movie it was, was fucking great. Yeah, it was great. This is a first time director too, Ari Aster. He only has shot like four or five like little shorts, and this is his first big film. Oh, extremely well acted. It's about. Uh, it's hard to. I don't want to ruin it because the trailers are very misleading as well, but in a good way. I'd yeah. say that it's very similar in themes and style to like the shining and also kind of like rosemary's baby a little bit oh that's a mix which is almost revealing too much yeah with a, i would add a dash of the exorcist too they they do a lot of subliminal messages in the film that just constantly keep you in fear because i watched it with with james and Everyone knows I'm super critical of horror movies. I was... I thought Marco was lost. Like, halfway through, I said, no, he ain't gonna like this now. Like, (laughs) it takes a bit of a turn, and I was like, nope, there's no way. No, the the turn was good. The way it was executed, again, it's all about execution, was done so well. I was legit freaked out. Like, we had some chatter boxes with us in the movie theater, some people behind us that just wouldn't stop talking. Of course. But halfway through the film, (laughs) I was actually glad they were there. Because it, it kind of safe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Dude. There are some really freaky moments in that movie. Dude, it and was fucking it is creepy. One of the best horror films I've ever oh, seen. Good. This is the, the like, quality type of horror film that we need today. I think you would like it, Nabil, too. Oh. Actually, it might. I don't know. Dude, Nabil. <laughs> I'm thinking about it because, like, man, <laughs> Nabil doesn't like gory, certain... I'm okay with it. Uh, I don't know. Then. <laughs> and once again, I don't want to ruin it for you, but I think it's very much worth a watch. I, oh. Yeah, I say check it out. I'm definitely going to try to watch that this weekend. Nice. What about you, Marco? What have you been watching? I've been watching a movie, or I watched a movie, that you, James, have actually been trying to get me to watch for quite some time now. Mm, I wonder been, what movie that is. Like three years. 
<laughs> not, not three years. Well, okay, you let me borrow it a couple months ago. Well, more than a couple months like ago. Like six months ago, I yeah. swear to God. Anyway, <laughs> I think we brought this up on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I promised that I would watch this movie before this episode, and I did. I finished it today, so way to kind of close. But the movie is uh, one called Once, and it's a 2007 romantic drama slash musical because there's much music involved and it's uh directed by james carney and i've watched two of his films before and i've mentioned it in previous episodes uh begin again and sing street which i really love both those movies those are technically you've seen all his movies now yeah Yeah, he only has three this yeah this sort of completes his musical trilogy Trilogy, so to speak and it's cool because each movie is a separate style of music and even the way it's it's filmed this movie obviously was his first one so it's a little bit more indie um it stars glenn hansard as just guy that's what they bill him as on the credits yeah and uh, marquita irgloba as girl and the movie is basically about a street singer who's struggling to get his name out there get his music out there and he meets an immigrant uh, in Dublin, uh, and she's from the Czech Republic and happens to catch wind of his music. And through conversation, he, the guy learns that she's musically inclined. And throughout the movie, they're sharing music, writing music, and talking about their lost love lives. And it's it's just so good. Carney does an excellent job with conversations. The conversations in the movie seem like legitimately real it it doesn't it's not anything expected there's no quote unquote i'm doing air quotes no mm. hollywood dialogue in it which yeah I it's enjoy. all like 90 percent of it's all um it's just improv oh, you just kind of told them like where they need to go with the scene and they would just film it like a lot of those scenes too where they're in, like public areas like they didn't tell people they were filming they were just like really in public areas it seemed that way yeah. because they're when they're there's they're a even scene where they're on a bus at some time. yeah they're they're, they're, they're on a bus shit. and they're playing music and they get really loud and there's an old lady on there who looks back at them and starts laughing and it's such a natural reaction mm-hmm. that you're like that had to have been like ad-libbed uh, the the realism again that carney captures is just uncanny even down to the music writing and the scene where they go to the studio and start to record, it's all just very realistic. Like I've, uh, not to toot my own horn, I've recorded music in studios before. And that's kind of, that's like how the atmosphere is. He Carney did a great job at capturing the, the trueness of it. And mm-hmm. one big seller of these movies are the music. It's it's just so well written, and I I believe a lot of it's original work too. Yeah. I think all of it's it was like I said, um, we were talking about it beforehand a little bit. They won the Academy Award that year for best original song for mm-hmm. that, "Falling Slowly." It's it deserved really well it. Done. It's it's great. It tugged at my heartstrings. It has such a really good ending that hey, maybe some of you might like, some of you might not. But it's a very this, realistic ending. Yeah, yeah. It it really. Um, it, it it gets you right in the feels, but I I recommend it if you're into uh, romantic dramas or if you're into musicals. If you're a music aficionado, this movie is for you. Check it out. Um, I would say I, even if you saw Begin Again on like because I know it's on Netflix or Sing Street, and if you haven't seen his yes. earlier work, this is a very good one to check out too. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, and the songs get stuck in your head, man. It's they do. Too. They do. I'm definitely going to check out the soundtrack of this. And I, I rarely check out movie soundtracks, but this is one I'll check out. It's mainly acoustic music, which is different from the other two films, which were more electric and pop. So I kind of like the change of tone of that. And I, Carney is definitely one of my favorite directors now. Uh, aside from that, I've been catching up on the FX original show, The Americans. And I've talked about this show before, too, but for those of you who don't know, it's a spy thriller. It takes place during the height of the Cold War in the 80s, and it's about uh, two KGB agents that uh, are in America, and they're posing as your average American family while spying for the Soviet Union. It stars Carrie Russell as Elizabeth Jennings and Matthew Rees as Philip Jennings. The fifth season, which I just finished through Amazon Prime Video, was actually pretty good. I, I felt that it ended on a on a flat note as compared to season four, which ended on a really high cliffhanger, only to start the fifth season slow, get it really good towards the middle, get really gritty because a, a, a lot of the times like when the characters are spying or doing their missions... Essentially, they got to take people out. And right. I think in, in season five, they didn't pull their punches. They got pretty brutal in some of these scenes. And it's 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 now showing that the job is getting to them, which beforehand they never really revisited. They kind of like through conversation talked about it. And then one of them brushes it aside. But in this one specifically for the husband, Philip Jennings, you can see that being in this job and doing all these multiple roles that they have to do is is finally getting to him and is daunting on him. But it kind of ends a bit flat. And I was wondering how they would pick it up in season six, which I just started, and I'm about four episodes in. And I got to say, I'm pretty satisfied yeah. because they they did a slight time jump, which really helped the pace of the show and really helped... Um, a certain character in the season shine. I'm not. I'm not gonna give it away because it's kind of a spoiler. Because this certain character starts off a little bit different in the first few seasons and essentially grows into um, a new character, so to speak. Those of you who watch the show probably know what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I'm enjoying it. It's really getting to the end game of the situation. The Cold War is about to end. It's getting close to where the U.S. and the USSR are getting into talks about disarming themselves and close to the time where the Berlin Wall falls. So all this drama and all these other variables are happening throughout the show, and I enjoy it. If you're into spy thrillers, uh, espionage-type movies, I highly recommend this show. It's on FX, but you can also catch it on Amazon Prime. Aside from that, that's all I've been watching. What about you, Nabil? What have you been up to? What have you been watching? Well, I too have been uh, catching up on some FX shows. Um, I just finished uh, the final season of Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yes. Um, and These are both shows I have not seen. Like, and you probably won't Anarchy. see. No problem. Um, i got too much to catch up. So I might I might spoil a little bit on this show because the show you know finished like two, three years ago. So spoiler alert ahead of the time. Damn. I'm just kidding. But well, Nabil's assuming I'm never going to catch this guy. Gonna, Here we go. He's never going to watch it. Um, but so, Sons of Anarchy, if you don't know, is it's essentially about a, a biker gang, a motorcycle club that um, is in a city called Charming, which is in between 
Oakland and Stockton, and apparently it's only 30 minutes between both because they can get to every town and no problem. Oh, they get Bay Area traffic so wrong yeah. in, in this show. It's it's laughable. It's hilarious. They yeah. just, they're like, we got to go to Oakland, and then like it's only noon, and they get there like at 1 o'clock. It's like, oh, you're in Oakland from... What you're supposed to be twenty minutes out of Stockton? Stockton? That would have taken them an hour or, and forty five minutes. It shows them like driving on on the freeway and there's no traffic. Never traffic. Bullshit. Come yeah. on. It takes me like an hour to drive from Fairfield to Napa. Are they taking uh, back roads? Maybe. It even like, even, even still, so, man. No. <laughs> there's no way you can get there in like under an hour. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. But it stars uh, Charlie Hunnam, which is I think this is big American break, um, and he's he's playing as the main uh, character, Jax. The the show itself, it's about him trying to provide for his family, trying to get out of his family tropes because his family, his parents had created the motorcycle club. And there's a lot of drama, obviously, that can probably would go with that. Um, they they run guns. So there's a lot of drama on guns. They get hooked up with the cartel at one point and, you know, are mewling for drugs for them. So it all gets really warring with the other gangs as well. There's war, then peace, and war, then peace. Yeah, Yeah. back and forth. And Jax tries to navigate it all. And he honestly does a pretty good job of it most of the time. He gets, he kind of goes overboard with some of the brutality, but he he does a good job at trying to get the get whatever he's trying to accomplish done. Yeah, Um, he he tries to be more political. Yeah, and tries to keep away from the bloodshed. But Mm -hmm. when you get on his bad side, it's it's on. Yeah. And and it's and it's a show that's funny because when you watch it, you don't know who you really want to root for. You don't know if you really like anybody or yeah. you really hate them <laughs> or if you're true. and I, and whether or not you're supposed to like them or hate them, there's no idea. I can tell you who you're supposed to hate their his mom, Gemma, uh, who's played by uh, uh, Katie Segal. Yes. Uh, you have to hate her. Like she's terrible. She she's causes so much trouble in that show unnecessarily. Very manipulative, yeah. right? Yeah. Terrible yes. person. <laughs> Um, but what, what I really like about the show is that it is, it is based in the Bay, supposedly, um, very, very loosely, though they keep going back and forth between towns. They are the Bay Area thing. They make a lot of references to the Bay. Um, and, and it, it, when the show ended, it got me really thinking about family because yeah, it's very weird, (laughs) but he has, he has like two kids. He has issues with his wife and his other stuff that's going on. And so you feel really sad for what he's trying to do. And then how he ends the show, like the what he has to do to try to feel like he's setting up for his family. Mm-hmm. Makes you really think about, oh, you know, would you really be willing to make sacrifices like he was doing? And it makes you really think about it. And then you start realizing the show is about Macbeth. It's based on uh, yeah, that's what Shakespeare I heard. Macbeth, yeah. right? So from the start of the show, you kind of see it. And then none of it makes sense until like the last two seasons. And then you're like, oh, I see what they're trying to do here. They're trying to bring it all back together. It's very loosely based on it, but it's it's a very well done show. And I think that the first couple of seasons gets really slow. But as you get to the end of it, the action ramps up. There's a lot more of uh, just chaos. The story gets more interesting. You get vested more into the characters. Once and they get involved with the cartel, then yeah, that's when things the start car- to get really, really crazy. Up. Like, yeah. There's bloods and guts everywhere. <laughs> it gets really violent. But definitely, if you're if you're looking for something gritty, like FX really pushed the envelope with the show. I didn't think much of it at first, but then started going through the seasons. Like you really see the grit in this show and and how much like whatever they could skirt by with, they did. Definitely show worth watching all seven seasons. As much time as I spent on it, I it, it had a really good payoff. The ending the last episode, I was. You know, like, I guess they tied it in as well as they could and, and clean everything up. 
but outside of that like the show itself is a really really great show and i'm happy i was able to watch it and not you know miss anything on that yeah it's a good show i'd recommend it too it's sort of loosely based off the hell's angels yeah, gang kind of well. like that mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be getting a prequel to i guess two prequel shows they said they're going to do something about one of the other biker clubs yeah um and they said they may do something as a as a post show a sequel with the kids yeah um i hope they don't but they may and one also with his dad but i guess i don't know if that's going to be if that's still in the works or if they canceled that but gonna make a whole franchise like, yeah <laughs> the mines or whatever right? yeah mines yeah and the other thing I saw, I just randomly saw by chance, is this film called Ali's Wedding. It's a, a film that's on Netflix, and it's about it's an Australian movie that is about a Australian man who's from Iraq and ran away after Saddam's regime and went to Iran. Um, didn't like the lifestyle there, and his whole family got moved, uprooted to Australia. And it's based on a true story where essentially. He's trying to become a doctor. It's very, it's a comedy. It's a, like a romantic comedy almost. He's trying to be a doctor. They're Sunni Muslims, so or uh, Shiite Muslims. So you know, it's the whole like, um, uh, the, it's the whole kind of like Iran style Islam that you might see with the, you know, guy with the turban and everything like that. And mm-hmm. they're very conservative. And he's trying to become a doctor and he fails his doctor's exam, but tells a lie and says he passes and pretends like he's going to university for it. Oh, shit. Yeah. And he tells the whole community and his, his father's like the leader of the church there. Is it actually funny? It is actually funny. I'm surprised okay. at how funny it is. You mean it's, it sounds serious? That's yeah. Like, oh, shit. No, but it's all it's all comedy. Like it's silly. The whole thing he's doing. Okay. Um, and he's trying to impress his girl who's actually smarter than him and is going to school too. Um, and then he essentially, the whole thing is about him trying to hook up with this girl, but because everybody thinks he's so smart and he's going to be a doctor, they kind of start doing the stereotypical Muslim traits. Like they set up an arranged marriage. They try to get him in good with this community, put him a high level of the, uh, of the community. And then all of a sudden, you know, hilarity ensues. And Meanwhile, he's conning out. them by saying, oh yeah, I passed my, you know, I, I guess, medical exam or whatever yeah. you had to take i definitely say it's it's worth a watch just for the the whole thing about saying if you want a a funny but realistic view of islam and another side another side iranians you know more specifically um i'd say it's worth a watch just to get a little bit of perspective and seeing how like Amer- uh australian muslims um are kind of living their life it's kind of similar to what we're doing over here is in in america so i just thought it was a light-hearted film that wasn't trying to throw anything in your face but just showing how he was living his life day to day is it streaming anywhere or did you yeah, rent it? it's on netflix netflix right? nice yeah. 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 yeah but that's what i've been watching awesome let's go ahead and move along to our topic of the week it's the topic of the week so I came up with this topic because all of us has at least one streaming service or we try to watch our shows on streaming services. And every few months, Netflix releases an article about what shows or movies they're going to be purging from their service. And yeah. it was announced not too long ago that Netflix is planning to purge 50 percent of their older content so that it's so that their content is 50 50 original content and old content and we all know that most streaming services will probably follow what netflix does because they are the biggest streaming service and by by old quote-unquote old content you're talking about like non-original netflix programming like 
um, movies from other studios and Correct. TV shows from shows, other yeah. networks, basically. Exactly. So my my topic is: Should streaming services keep getting rid of old content, or should they continue to add to their libraries? And just to give an example of this and elaborate as to what James was saying. So Netflix, you have originals like Stranger Things and Bright, and then older content from other networks like Breaking Bad and Friends. Hulu, the same way. They have The Handmaid's Tale and 11.22.63 for their original content. Their older or non-original content includes Rick and Morty and Atlanta. Amazon, same thing. They have Mozart in the Jungle, The Girl with All the Gifts, and non-original Mr. Robot and the Americans. So... Just pausing a question out to you guys, how much new content do you watch versus old on any streaming service? And we can start with you, Nabil. Like, what do you think you watch percentage-wise old versus new on your streaming services? Well, well, first, let me just say that I just find it crazy that Netflix is as big as it is. Because if you like think about it, not even like ten years ago, they were trying to fight like companies like HBO and AMC for House of Cards. Right and now, they've got like hundreds of their own shows and original sh- movies and all this stuff like that. I mean, they like, single handedly took down Blockbuster, man. Yeah, all alone. Well, yeah. was it them or Redbox? No, it was them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little mix of both, I think. Redbox did did help kind of. Final nail Redbox the coffee nail kind of thing. Yeah. 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 They were <laughs> <laughs> but it's just crazy how big you know streaming has gotten because of it. And I I surprisingly enough, I like a lot of the Netflix all original shows. I think they're they're pretty well produced. Um and I think it's mostly because of how they use their model. They they put in a lot of money in the shows. They throw the pilot out there, pilot season out there and say, We'll see if everybody likes it. If so, we'll continue it. Um and as James had pointed out to me earlier, if they don't they scrap it, they're, they move on. They're, yeah, they're yeah. quick to cut them, too. <laughs> like, if it's not up to par or not doing as well, it's, they're like, hey, we got a thousand other shows. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're really spending their money wisely. They're trying to find out what lands, and they spend the money on the shows that do, and they keep hyping it up and keep going for the next season, which is great. But Netflix is not my go-to for old content. Usually I go to Hulu. Um, Netflix has some older shows um, that have, like, been out of season for, like, Three four years, right. so maybe I'll catch up on something. But unless it's their original shows, um, they I, used to carry a lot more. They though. did, they did used to carry a lot more. But I don't really go to Netflix for that more. I usually watch like I watch Son of Sons of Anarchy, like I said earlier on there, um, and that's the only show I've been watching. I have a lot of movies in my queue and a lot of shows, but I'm not actually like watching a lot of them, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say it's a higher ratio of new content than it is old for Netflix. What about you, James? Do you think you watch more? Newer content, original content versus non-original content on your streaming services? Yeah, truthfully, I guess, I don't know. Between me and you guys, like, I don't watch too much shows, really, even to begin with. Yeah. But, like, for instance, there are things I watch. Like, um, you were talking about on Amazon, the that Stephen King one, right? Um, 11, I apologize about the... 11, 2263. Yeah. That, well, that one's on Hulu. Complex as shit. Sorry. That's Hulu-wise, that's the one I think, like, I watched, and I watched The Runaways. Yeah. And old TV, I don't, is it, I don't even consider it old TV, I guess, because I'll watch, like, current shows on there. Like I just said, I, I watch, I'm watching, like, Cloak and Dagger on there right now. Yeah. Because I mm-hmm. missed it on Thursday, so I'm catching up on there. Plus, the no commercials helps. Mm-hmm. Right, but say, for example, CW, you know, they transfer their 
syndicated shows over to Netflix. Yeah, season ends. they got to do, do watch Netflix it. Do you ever watch it? After? Yeah, I haven't because that, that I count that as the non-original content yeah, or yeah. quote unquote old. As I well. haven't, but uh, just from my own experiences, I haven't done it yet. But I need to like Arrow, Flash, and um, Legends of Tomorrow. Like if I do decide to catch up on those, that's where I would go to watch them. I just mm-hmm. haven't done it yet, but I know they're all on there now. Um, but I definitely probably watch more. It's probably like eighty twenty for me. More original than old. Netflix is probably the biggest one. Yeah. Stranger Things is a big one on there. Um, movie wise, oh, we saw a Terrible Bride, but I mean, Oakjaw <laughs> was. I thought Oakjaw was great. And outside of that, though, really, if I think about the older shows, like I'm like I'm I'm in Nabil's kind of situation too, where I have them on that. I've had movies on my queue for like five years, years. Man, or more. And then eventually, it, 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 it depends if it hits me in a certain way. Because yeah. then sometimes, like you guys know, I'll binge watch stuff, and out of nowhere, I'm on Amazon and Hulu. Because they had, when I was doing the Jason stuff and the yeah. Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. I was doing a ton of stuff through there. With yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, I apologize. Um, a lot of them are on there, so I watch them that way. So it depends what kind of the season for me. And if there's like a really critically well-acclaimed show coming out, for instance, on Amazon, they're going to be having the Jack Ryan show, so I'm probably definitely going to watch that. That looks so good. So should we watch all the Jack Ryan t- movies, all the Harrison Ford ones? Because they're probably on Hulu, it, right? Yeah. The, the, the Hunt for October. Yeah. Yeah. Some <laughs> of all fears. Affleck one. Yep. Some of all fears. And yeah. then, of course, the reboot one with um, Chris Pine. Oh, Shadow Recruit, right? Yeah. Good God, I forgot that was even a movie. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna dip into the uh, James Ring caliber rabbit hole there. That's right. And just no, going to dark places. I don't know about that one. <laughs> I don't think I want to do that. See, for for me, I'd say it's it's more spread out. I'm probably more sixty forty with as far as original content versus older or non original content, and that's probably because of my like hectic schedule. I don't always catch. I try to catch as many shows as I can when they come out on the regular seasons. But say for example, the Americans, I'm usually like a season behind, so I yeah. catch it on on Amazon. The CW shows, there's just so many, and I also find it more enjoyable to kind of marathon them when they're syndicated on now on Netflix. Yeah. So, so that's why it's more spread out for me because I tend to watch those things when they come out for streaming services, and it it kind of like pauses the question of are they going to start to get rid of these shows that they borrow from other networks and things like that so that's kind of like where where i'm going because i mean i watched i watched their original content and then i like a lot of their shows like i watched ozark was really good stranger things is obviously really good it's a shame that they're probably not going to do another season of altered carbon which i really enjoyed but then you got bright and then you have uh, the Jared Leto movie that we reviewed too. <laughs> the Foreigner. God. The Foreigner that just are complete And then, trash. you know what? 13 Reasons Why. That that show's trash. No, not for the teenagers. That they love trash. that show. The trailer looks horrible. Especially I season two. Of People there. love that show. That's they announced the season three. About. I was like, are you, why? Valeo represent. I but, have to, you know, I have to say, Marco, just off of your answer, though, and just off of the rest of us, like, we've all kind of said that we watch more original content than we do the older stuff. And and if you think about that, that means what they're doing, Hulu, Prime, uh, Amazon, I mean, and Netflix is working. Like, true. We're, so, we're into their new stuff more than we're into anything else. Right. And so be, now we all know, like, how much we all watch. So now I'm going to ask, like, what do you guys prefer, though? Like, do you... I, do you prefer more of the new stuff or do you prefer prefer more of the older stuff to catch up or to kind of say, I didn't I think, catch this movie in, in theaters. I kind of want to see it. 
So now that we know that it, the tide could potentially change, like what do I you think guys... with that, though, a lot of times, a lot of these still don't have the movies that I'm looking for. So yeah. all the oceans movies weren't even on there. True. I end up buying those. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it also depends on how we are. Like Nabil said, we're we're the type that probably like to watch newer content. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend, on the other hand, goes back and watches all these old ass shows, man. Yeah. Like she just killed out like Growing Pains and Boy Meets World. So like, obviously, shows. yeah, like she watched all of them too. And so, and she enjoys that stuff. It's just kind of reminds her of childhood. So I think a balance is the best way to have these because I think also the studios are smart enough to know that there are people that are interested in this. Yeah. And that this will bring some kind of revenue toward them because people will sign up because they know that that show is only on like Hulu, for instance. A yeah. lot of them are Hulu. True. Um, Netflix, on the other hand, is I think they're different from Hulu and Prime. I mean, Prime and Hulu both have caught up as because I like to say they caught up only because quality shows. They have really good quality shows like Handmaid Tale is supposed to be good show. Amazing, yeah, it's yeah. really rated pretty well. And Amazon Prime is making quite possibly the most expensive show ever made right now with the Lord the of the Lord Rings of series Rings. coming out. So you know they're stepping their game up. They're also one of the most successful companies in the world, so they can do that. Uh, Netflix started the trend of original content in a way and they're doing well with it and of course they're kind of rolling with it because I, I think they probably make more revenue this way yeah because well i also read a, an article and i wish i would have printed it out but it's it stated that many people join these services for the original content mm-hmm. but the majority of the content that they watch is non-original programming because they're shows that they haven't been able to cast through regular season because even you even got greats like better call saul on netflix as well yeah. too which yeah. is a high rated show it's, on amc i think it's one of those things where they come in for like for instance how many times as soon as stranger things starts going on i think everybody keeps talking about that mm-hmm. on all our social media yep. everyone's talking about you True. know strangers and people binge watch it because they you know they just knock it out super quick and then you, other things catch your eye that that little algorithm works for for the most part, and then like, hey, if you like this, check this out, or and then they're like, I haven't, I remember that show, or they, yeah. going or they watch like two seasons of it. They're like, I never actually finished that. I'd like to finish it, and might as well do it now. So, but I, I kind of agree with you, James, where they need to find a balance to where yeah. they still include some of these. Like, they shouldn't. I don't think they should get rid of all of it, all of the old content. Like, no, because if not, what do we get to? Yeah, buy I, that shit. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm slight. I, I'm slightly okay with the fifty percent. That's that's fine. I'm. I mean, I'm not too too happy about it but at the same time it's I like th- because then you don't know like what are they gonna get rid of yeah obviously th- they're not gonna get rid of the the big big names but no. still they're i think the bill's right though there. like um a lot of times with these shows the way that these work out is that um if you can't find it on netflix it'll probably be on hulu or amazon though yep. Just like you around. said you found your some of your shows on there so mm-hmm. true you have options Hulu is actually one of the saving graces because they made their business off of like shows that are being shown on cable and things and being able to mm-hmm. watch it the next during day. season. So I think they're going to kind of hold the fort, so to speak, for non-original content. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm a cord cutter. I don't have any cable. So I rely essentially on Amazon Prime and Hulu and Netflix. And I have my go-tos for each one. Um Netflix is kind of like my general thing. Whatever I can find, it might be interesting in some of the uh, original content as well. But Hulu, anything on network television. So I'm going on there looking for some show that I might like or might not have otherwise been able to catch on on like ABC or NBC or something. And I'll see that show on there because I saw a commercial of it. Oh, I'll check it out, you know. And it was 
I'm only an episode. I'm only not even a day behind. It just aired last night. You know, I can catch up on those shows. Um, Amazon, I don't use as much, but there are a couple of shows that that man, I do watch. They have they have a better selection of newer movies. Amazon, um, I think sometimes. Yeah, they, especially yeah. the Amazon Studio ones. Yeah, I'll show up on there. Obviously. So so they have a good selection of um, newer, relatively new films. Um, but the being able to have the option to switch back and forth really helps a lot and knowing yeah. which service can provide what and and i mean i even use hbo all the time you know for those other kind of high-end film shows and documentaries and whatever else too so um i definitely think the original content the exclusive stuff that they have is the big draw for me but like for me hulu i'm not i personally i'm not watching anime itself. I'm watching the network shows that are on there that I can't watch on cable. But definitely, it's it's a, it's a good mixture of them, and I think that getting making the mix of fifty fifty does kind of help because I look at like some of those original shows. I'm like, I'm not going to watch half of this stuff. That's a lot. Of well, yeah, which goes here. to my next yeah. question is like, how do you guys feel about all the new orig- original content coming out as far as like how it compares to the old? And you think it's good, mediocre, or poor? Because, I mean, Netflix has had some really pretty bad misses that we've reviewed on here that are just, like, straight-up garbage. I'd say, like, movie-wise, it's hit or miss for yeah. them, especially with, like, movies like Mute and Bright. Yeah. Not too They well. don't have the best track record. They try. But, I mean... Well, they had that show, too, uh, have... Everything Sucks, that was based in the 90s that completely bombed. Oh, hashtag update. That show is no longer in existence. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they have so many fucking shows. Like, they can just start canceling shit after a while, too. But... I don't know. Like, they have so much, though, that don't they have just as many good ones as bad ones? Oh, but yeah. People love to talk so. about the bad ones. For instance, like, Beasts of No Nations is really good, right? I still haven't and seen that. That's a good I mean, that's series. critically acclaimed. It was nom- nominated for some Golden Globes and such. And mm-hmm. then, goddamn, what was that other one, bro? Uh, Mudbound. 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 That's Netflix, really too. 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 So that's yeah. that's yeah. amazing. I mean, for and Oakjaw is great. So mm-hmm. for every Mudbound and Oakjaw, there's a fucking Bright in the Foreigner, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that those ones caught a lot of attention because those are well, not actors. not so much the foreigner, but do you guys Will think Smith with bright? Yeah. You guys think that Amazon and Hulu are a little bit more selective as far as the original content? Because I haven't really seen. I mean, much I garbage coming off from those two. But I mean, services. do do we watch them as much as Netflix though? So I don't think we're as exposed to it. Yeah. There's yeah. probably they plenty do of have trash a lot of both ones, man. I've seen Hulu's original content, and yes. they don't have a very big selection, first of all. And second of all, the selection they do have, not all of them is real quality. There's a couple of good shows that I've yeah. Just like the the one that Margo was talking about, the Stephen King show, that was really good. Uh, yeah, that David one was Franco. great. That one was really fun. Yeah, uh, amazing. The, like I said, The Runaways is really good. Runaways is good. Handmaid's right. Tale, but I mean, for all those Hulu shows still, there's a lot that are probably not that great. Just mm. like YouTube Red, man. Oh yeah, YouTube We've Red is just garbage outside of Cobra Kai. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> truthfully, very true. So that's another streaming service that, but they, I mean, they're kind of more in their they're, infant, they're still new infancy, right? Yeah, um, so that's why I didn't include them. But, Sorry, YouTubers. Yeah, but I mean, but once again, my girlfriend watches some original shows in there that yeah. Los Santos High or something like that or whatever it's called, and she People really like likes that, it. Yeah. So it depends who you are. I very guess true. it just I'll depends. Do- I mean. To compare original content to new content, it's just like a new show. Like some shows suck, some shows don't. That's about it, really. Very true. Though I think that Netflix should be a little bit more selective as far as like what kind of. It just seems sometimes like they're just like we, we got to throw this shit out there. You know, we got to get it out. They here. have so much meet that money, fifty percent quota that they they can basically do that. I yeah. mean, doesn't any network technically? How many shows does Fox cancel every fucking year? Right? But I mean, that's what's supposed to differentiate the streaming services versus Fox. Fox like most 
basic cable services like have like Fox included, but we're paying an extra premium to have Netflix, to have Hulu, but, to have you know, Amazon Prime. To take that to take that point, I actually so, like, like that f- Netflix. We feel like more invested is what I mean. Well, I like that Netflix and like Amazon and Hulu do that because if you think about it, you the networks and the cable channels, when they do these things, they have to worry about sponsors, right? So if the show isn't doing well, they're not going to get ad time. You know, people aren't going to watch it because there's yeah. not a lot of people eyes on it. So they have to be a little bit more selective on what they decide to green light. And then that first few episodes or maybe that one season of the of the pilot new show, if it doesn't succeed, then they're just like, okay, we have to cut it loose because we can't make any money off of this. Mm-hmm. Where Netflix is like, if I get about like 100,000 people to watch even the first you know first season on this show and they do well enough... I might make a sequel for it. We'll see. You I, know. Think, I think it comes down to like they want people to talk about it on social yeah, media, like the Stranger Things for. phenomenon, and then like the Marvel shows on there. They want people to keep talking about it, and they want to create like a kind of a cultural impact with a lot of these shows. I think. Yeah. And those are the one. Like for instance, even though they got all these, you know, like you said, there's like a lot of misses, but they got a lot of hits. Yeah. So, just like any network, I think if you don't stream, like look at them that way. Like they're another network that you pay a premium. They're like an HBO mm-hmm. now, right? Yeah. Basically, basically, Absolutely. like you pay extra for HBO, but they can and let's face a lot it, more. after your guys' review of Fahrenheit nine eleven, was that it? Fahrenheit 451. 451, Sorry, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, and, oh, see, shit, and that was on HBO. That was on HBO. And it was complete garbage. Exactly. So, yeah. So, so Netflix is and the HBO's only one. been in this game way fucking longer, oh, yeah. guys. So you know, and we can only talk about right now two shows on HBO, which is Game of Thrones and uh, Westworld. So yeah, not sure what that second one is. But I'm just kidding. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like if they're if if they're coming out with if they're presenting us with garbage and getting rid of like an older non-original content that was actually pretty good like for example i I know they would never get rid of you know say the wire or something hbo or um netflix would never get rid of better call Saul or anything like that but i mean it still sucks that they would have to wean out some of the good or old or non-original content for hey, something that and i think it's just, just that just gives an opportunity for another like yeah. streamer to pick it up though. there's licensing yeah. too and hey they you know if people are, are watching netflix or hulu or whatever they want that money right so they're gonna say hey amc we need to charge we need to be charged less for this stuff if you want to be on our network so all right all right reeling it back i know james you said you prefer a balance that they keep an even balance as far yeah. as new and old. Nabil, yeah. what about you? Yay or nay? Should they get rid of the older stuff for more new stuff? Or should you agree with James that they should have a balance? No, I think it's a good balance for sure. That's what is, is the best way to keep it going. All right. I think that they should still continue to give us older content on there. Um, I, I welcome the new stuff. I watch a lot of the new stuff. But I still think that it's great because of cable cutters like Nabil that don't have a chance to have a you know steady cable at the at their home these streaming services are a great way for them to catch up on older shows that are syndicated that they don't get to watch on a regular basis like like me so i'm more on the let's you know not cut too much older content and um just keep it going because people are going to watch it ultimately it decides what you watch so if you like that stuff keep watching it then you know don't stop watching it i guess and Give it a chance. Maybe they'll, man, maybe they'll keep it on. They obviously, they obviously have records of who watches what now. So yeah, exactly. Give it a like. Uh, let's move on now to our review of the documentary. Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? It's an invitation to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. Love is at the root of everything. Love or the lack of it. 
Fred's work was love your neighbor and love yourself. It was a communication right into their hearts. Children have very deep feelings, just the way everybody does. There must be times when you do feel blue. I'm not feeling blue right now, though. Me neither. <laughs> Thank you for whatever you do to bring joy and hope, light and love to our world today. Please won't you be my neighbor? All right, so that was the trailer for Won't You Be My Neighbor. And first off, just want to give everyone a heads up. We've never done a documentary before, we so there you go. It's a first. It's oh, a my first. God. Do you like that? Also, that movie technically doesn't come out to the 15th of June, so it's actually not out. This pod should be out and edited, cross our fingers, hopefully before that time, of course. Uh, it comes out this Friday officially as a wider release. We actually were fortunate enough to go ahead and see a special early screening of it in San Francisco, which was nice. Movie Pals Pod style. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Like, we used to do it a lot more, but now, <laughs> guess what? We back. So, yes. Um, I just want to ask you guys right off the bat here first, um, before we even start a review, just as kind of a, a setup here, did you guys watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood growing up? Yeah. I definitely did. Not as not a lot, but I've, I've caught a few episodes as a kid. Oh, yeah. I watched a lot of it, especially if when I would stay home from school sick. Oh, I would yeah, catch same. it, and mm-hmm. that'd be kind of my remedy. I really enjoyed that fucking show. Uh, same here. I remember watching it. It was always on. It was always on when I was sick too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to say he lightweight helped me learn how to tie my shoes too. <laughs> oh yeah. It was one of those little things where he showed it. And I was like, oh, that's not that hard. Either that or Barney. It was one of the two. It was either the old guy or a dinosaur. That <laughs> I me. I used to mimic his whole intro where he would come in, put his jacket in the closet. Oh, uh, we had slippers put too. One on and yeah, <laughs> and we had little slippers too. It was, was fun cool. to kind of follow along. So, um, first documentary we've seen here. As you guys know, I'm usually not into documentaries too much because I'm, um, I'm boring like that, I guess. <laughs> I even studied film and did a documentary class, and I was like, fuck, when is this going to end? I don't um, care about real life. I know. I was like, Jesus, what, these aren't, they don't have blasters and lightsabers. What's this all about? <laughs> what the hell is this? Quick little summary, though. Um, Won't You Be My Neighbor? It's an explanation of the life, lessons, and legacy of iconic children's television host Fred Rogers. Uh, directed by Morgan Neville, who's actually just done a bunch of other documentaries. I couldn't really find any that I, once again, because I don't watch documentaries, <laughs> that anybody would know. So I swear we're cultured on this pod. Yeah, I swear too. Um, starting with Nabil here, did you enjoy the movie or dislike it? I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, very uplifting, inspiring, and I got a better perspective of the man. Yeah, what about you, Marco? I loved it, and I agree with Nabil uh, it was very inspiring. It it really left you sort of questioning or looking into your character and asking yourself, am I a good person? Yeah. yeah. I found myself with that question the rest of the night, and it just made me miss Mr. Rogers that much more, man. Like, yeah, it really did. Um, as you can tell, I liked the movie quite a bit. The movie is done really well because it shows you kind of the the beginning of his career in um, television and then basically to the end yeah which is nuts i didn't realize he went all the way like even past nine like during nine right before 9 11 happened i guess Mm -hmm. same i figured he retired in the 90s and then i didn't know that he continued all the way until pretty much before his death yeah he died in like 2003 Mm -hmm. so So he stopped in like 2001 yeah 
like right before it or yeah. something like that. 2001, something like that. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, like Nibble said, it was a great perspective of him. Uh, gives you kind of an insight into his life. Not too much, I no. guess. But I mean, the television part, yes. And the interviews from his kids shows you. And it actually, it's kind of cool because it kind of even brings up like a slightly darker side to him that he expressed through like his quote unquote puppetry. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a guy that had like no real experience doing any of this stuff, and he was, he just seemed like a really genuinely nice person. The fact that they they asked him even throughout the documentary, they'd show clips of people asking him, "Are you really like that? Is that really you? Yeah. Or is the real you about to come out?" And he would just laugh it off and say, "No, this is, this is really me. This is who I am." Because yeah, I really, think I'm really passionate about not this. even just today, but I mean even back then, it was hard to find someone like they say that is generally just a nice person because. Mm-hmm. I guess as people were trained to like not trust people. Yeah. So yeah. like what we see on TV, you're like, this guy's probably a dick in real life, you know? Mm. And just how he inspired everyone on the set of his show and those around him and how it it yeah. just brought everyone more and more together the more they, they knew Mr. Rogers. I thought that was Yeah, he seemed like he had a like a, a really tight knit crew yeah. as his uh for the filming crew too in there. What then, since we we all liked it from the sound of it, see this is too easy of a review here guys it's like see the documentary we don't want to ruin the fucking thing mm-hmm. um what was your guys favorite moment then in the documentary well which i guess technically this is a spoiler but i mean it's a documentary it's, it's so. about his life it's, yeah, it's kind of hard so. not to spoil some of this movie because it means based off you know real life so you can wikipedia or google it yeah as well. so yeah. no just ahead of, before you go Nobel, just there's no spoiler warning it's just kind of your feelings of it, yeah. yeah. Well, for for me, really, just just finding out as he discusses about how much he cares about kids, and mm-hmm. you could tell how sincere he was about it, oh, how yeah, much he really tried to find ways to get to them and use his show as not exactly a political platform, but almost, you know, kind of subliminally. Um, kind of, yeah. You know, to, to try to educate kids about like real-life scenarios and... Um, I had remembered where he did like a week on death. I actually remember those episodes. <laughs> and so I was like, I didn't realize that that's what he started doing near the, the kind of later half of his uh, career was mm-hmm. doing week long episodes to kind of explain things to kids. And I thought that was really, really neat because if you really think about it, it's mostly like a one episode thing. It's a story. It's self-contained. Here's the end. Now you can watch the next episode and never have to remember that again. But he really spent time to kind of go through everything that you could be wondering as a child. And I thought, I, you know, I thought that was really interesting to see an uh, interesting approach on that. I agree. Just how revolutionary he was for television and how most shows would probably creep away from those topics. In the bill. He actually, Mr. Rogers, faced them and talked to them and addressed those issues. And I thought that that was really cool. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that it was more than just a a one-off bit on, on a certain season of his show. But I think yeah. another moment that really worked for me is just, just discovering like how he used his puppetry as a way to deal with his repressed emotions from his childhood and specifically the puppet of Daniel and how that was actually a representation of Mr. Rogers' anxieties and fears. I, I It just made me kind of love that character more because I like really liked Daniel as a, as a kid. Oh, really? I would use, I would I would opposite? use a sock. <laughs> I would put the the well. I liked Daniel and I also liked uh, the the trolley. But I would I like the trolley a, too. Yeah. I like trains back in the day. So same. But I thought that was a really interesting bit of information, and 
it it just made me kind of like feel more for Mr. Rogers, man. It's funny because when I as uh, growing up, I was born in 1988, so for me, the puppetry part was the parts I didn't like actually as a kid. Neither did I. I was scared of them too, mm-hmm. like the king and shit. Yeah. And then I think I was so used to like Sesame Street puppetry, which was much more advanced at the yeah. time, mm-hmm. and like Gullah Gullah Island. Yeah. So like that kind of puppetry, which is also a Jim Henson show. Mm-hmm. So I think when I got to those parts as a kid, I was always like, oh, this part's fucking weird. Yeah. I didn't say that as like <laughs> five year old, but I mean, kind of thought it though. I was like, that's weird. What? Because, but I mean, it's meant to be kind of crude like that. Mm. Yeah. So it makes sense. Um, my favorite parts in the movie are just kind of seeing the kids' genuine reactions to him. Um, the scenes where like he met like the the kid in um, like the classroom, and yeah. it just like, and you can tell like he genuine. It's just like his. He's so genuine, like the entire time. You can tell, like he's not in a rush. He gives the kids like the time. He gives the kids yeah. as much time as they need. Um, they seem like so happy to see him too, and it's mm. just like that feeling just shows you that you can you get that vibe off of him even through archival footage that he was like the real deal and he wasn't like faking this to make money. Because I can't, I don't think that show made that. It's a PBS no. show. Yeah. yeah, he he would give everyone equal amount of attention both kids and adults and would treat them equally yeah everyone as equal as he could and i mean he wasn't perfect but he would learn from his mistakes too and i thought that that was really interesting he grew as a person the more he did this and i i thought that that was also pretty cool yeah especially uh with one one of the people on his crew that had a moment in that movie that I I literally almost lost it and just started to tear up because yeah. it was just such a powerful moment. I'm not going to spoil what it is because I think it's such a really good moment. But just the way like he talked about what yeah, Mr. Yeah, Rogers no, did for yeah, him, and I was yeah. like, man, that was so good. Because at first that little reveal makes it sound like, oh, that's kind of a dick about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh man, come on, Mr. Rogers, I was like, don't Uh-oh. be like that. Strike one, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what I think too, what what's really great about how this documentary was made was that they're not really trying to hide anything. So it's not like a propaganda piece or a fluff piece on Mr. Rogers. You know, like no, not really. they even go and say like he was a rich kid. He had no need to do this. He was going to be yeah, an ordained minister. Yeah, the dude was like, he couldn't even use a screwdriver. Yeah, like, yeah. he didn't have to do this. Um, they even showed where he tried to take a, a, quick, a small sabbatical from doing the kids' show and tried to do more adult programming. And it didn't work. And how yeah. it failed. <laughs> you know? The dude was like, have you seen those shows? Yeah. Like, like, they're fucking terrible. <laughs> so, so I like that they gave us enough of a different kind of perspective. Like, you couldn't get too much into mr rogers and his family life they didn't dwell too much into that but what they did do was give you a better insight in who the man was and what he was trying to do yeah and you know his his successes and failures and it kind of made you even feel more related to him like you can understand what he was trying to do did you get the vibe that like he probably didn't have the best relationship with his own kids yeah, a little bit. Kind of. Yeah. That one scruffy looking guy. Mm. I was like, why does he look so his, weird? His kids are very, like, very, very unique. They, they, they made it unique. seem like they did. I mean, but... like, there's a hint. It's like they're like, this was our dad. But, like, they kind of, like, dealt with it kind of thing. Like, yeah. this is, he was famous and every, he loved every kid. And then, like, he yeah. loved us just as much. But, I mean, you could tell that there was, like, a little more to it. It must have been hard. Right? It must have been hard to share your dad with the rest of the world. That's yeah. what I mean. You yeah, know, like, I mean, it's, it, it, like, knowing that he, he represented... five enough. days a week, dude. Yeah. yeah. Knowing that he represented a parent figure to millions of other kids. Yeah. That, I mean, that probably affected him a little bit. Yeah. But, I mean, it worked well, though. Everything works. Yeah. I, like, I, I, like, one of my questions was, like, what didn't work in this movie? 
I don't really know. I think it all worked. I I would say if anything, they they showed a lot of how what Miss Rogers felt about television and what programmings were showing to the general audience. But it was it was curious enough how he they never asked about what he felt about uh, like parenthood or how people because he was about protecting kids and showing kids like right from wrong and teaching them yeah. reality from fantasy and things like that. And how television wasn't that much of a guide for that, but it, I, they never touched on it. How he felt like parents could help with that. So I was like, they never touched on that. But I don't. It's probably not that big of a deal. It's just me kind of like pointing, yeah. pointing out that hmm, they never went over that. I feel so, like yeah. he'd have like an aneurysm nowadays if he saw oh, the shit we can watch. Even worse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. He thought the '80s were bad. I know. <laughs> with like the Superman thing too. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, my god. <laughs> Which when His you think about, shit it's now. like, oh yeah, that probably would have been a thing after seeing Superman. Yeah, no, that actually did happen. Yeah. That's like the old wives tell about a kid jumping out of a building and mm-hmm. you hear about it. Trying to fly. Yep. guess it was real. Um, I I don't know if there's anything wrong with this movie because, and once again, I don't watch too many documentaries. You know what? I'm going to retract that. <laughs> I've seen a lot of documentaries. I just don't particularly <laughs> like documentaries because I'd rather hide away from the reality world. Just kidding. <laughs> That's what cinema's all about. No, I wrote a little mini review like, I like documentaries that I can relate to or something that I generally already am interested in to begin with. It's hard for me to jump into a documentary where someone's trying to convince me to do something or like something compared yeah. to like what I already have a preconceived notion of. Like, For instance, I love The Cove and uh, Blackfish because I'm really big on ocean preservation, <laughs> which you guys probably wouldn't know. Oh, but yeah. strangely enough, I really like the ocean life and stuff, so those movies work for me. Those are like my top two, the one top three now because of this. These are this is a really good documentary. So, this one just worked for me on all levels. Um, I don't think there's anything in here that didn't work. Basically, um, I I have to agree. I I try to watch as many documentaries as as I can. Um, like if it's on Netflix or any streaming service and it's something that piques my interest, I'll probably watch it. If it's boring, I'll turn it off. This documentary was definitely not boring. It was no. very entertaining, very heartfelt, very touching. You you could tell that Morgan Avell probably related a lot to to Mr. Rogers, and yeah, you could sh- see in I the think work, especially since the show had started when like the sixties or seventies. Yeah. Like, yeah, which I didn't know it started that early. Yeah, there was a so there's people of all ages have really been watching this for quite some time. Oh, he's he's yeah. bled into generations of kids. So. But, once again, this is kind of a short review because there's not much else we can tell you other than to watch the movie. I will end it on one thing here, though, that I want to ask you guys. So they are making a live-action movie on Mr. Rogers right now starring oh. uh, Tom Hanks that is oh. being filmed as we speak, actually. Do you think you think that's even necessary after watching this documentary? No, I really I almost don't. feel like it's not. like. When I heard about it, I'd heard about it before, so and I was kind of excited. I was like, "That's going to be cool," but then after watching the documentary, I'm like, "I don't think we need." I don't that. think he'd want it. He wasn't even a big fan of the. They were saying the uh, the skits and sketches that they did of him. Yeah. You know? Well, they were making fun of him. That's why. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, this, this would be more of a. And plus, biopic. let's face it, yeah. Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks would do, do a no good wrong. job. I, He's not gonna. I agree. Also, I don't think it's necessary just because I think this film explains enough and we know enough about miss rogers in this to to feel satisfied they and over, also i just they dramatize it yeah right. I, that's mr what rogers see. is doing cocaine guys that's, that's what i'm saying is like <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna ham up some lines or some parts and 
I just I'm like I don't want to see that when I just saw the real guy talking. That's what so. I mean. So I'm a little indifferent on it too. But yeah. I mean, more Mr. Rogers isn't a bad thing, I guess. When are we gonna get like the Bob Ross documentary now, right? <laughs> I, I think it's I think it is important to expose kids to the you know uh, to someone like Mr. Rogers just to show them that there are like good people out there that yeah. really do care. It's not just about SpongeBob or. I don't know what they watch, like Powerpuff Girls or something. Wow. <laughs> Nabil, sorry, guys. Nabil's still stuck in 2003 <laughs> right now. Holy shit. But whatever oh, the man. kids shows are, you know, it's not It's not just about that. You know, no, you, I think it's got a great message, too. Like, yeah. And even though there's even a scene in it, like, oh, kids these days are spoiled because they Mr. Rogers told everyone they're special and all that shit. But it's like you're special and you don't have to prove it to anyone else kind That's of thing. Said, like yeah. you're always, yeah. you, you're your unique person and it, there's nothing wrong with who you are because of that and i think that's a great message and they say it throughout the movie basically yeah you're you're a person not a product yeah and once again um solid so check it out and with that then guys that is the end of podcast number 25 once again thank you everybody for listening and giving us some feedback and responses reviews submitting questions telling us netflix films to watch as we know on streaming services you guys can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moviepalspod or tweet at us at moviepalspod. Submit questions, feedback, recommendations. We'll listen to you guys. We'll get to you eventually. Whether we dislike or like the movie, we will watch it. We promise. <laughs> Just like Mr. Rogers, every one of you guys are special. Yes. And also, and we, we totally agree. Because you're very special, please, please hit that subscribe button. Subscribe to us. Tell a friend about us, share us, spread the word. And tune in to our next pod, guys, where we will be watching a, a, another film Mr. Rogers wouldn't have liked, Jurassic <laughs> World Fallen <laughs> Kingdom. So tune in then. Until then, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.